Welcome to the 2017 NSH Poster Podcast Series. My name is Gail Callis, and I'm a member of NSH, a regular presenter at the NSH Annual Symposium Convention, and currently serve as editor for the Journal of Histotechnology. Last year, NSH launched its first poster podcast series, bringing outstanding research and science from the exhibit hall to a larger audience. We are thrilled to bring this popular series back and know you will enjoy listening to the poster presenters learn something new and share their information with others. New episodes will be released each week from November through December. Thanks for listening and science on by presenting a poster with a podcast next year. Hi, this is Kathy Dwyer, and I am interviewing Alexandra Rosado. I am sitting talking with her about her poster, P17, the use of residual liquid cytology from cervical biopsy specimens as a mean of a complementary diagnosis. Hi, Alexandra. Hello. Uh, Let's get started and talk a little bit about your poster. How would you describe your level of poster presentation knowledge? Is this your first poster or have you presented before? Well, we have presented a couple of years ago um, in the Association of Molecular Pathology. We presented a couple of posters and as well as last year in NSH and now this year. Okay. And um, the ones that you presented in the past, I'm sure you learned from those uh, experiences. So tell me a little bit about your topic and why you feel that it's important. Well, our topic has to do with cervical biopsies. And instead of discarding the form- formalin that it's in the bials, we started to use them as a residual um, liquid biopsy. Because we thought that maybe some of the biopsies could be very small, that you cannot see the tissue very well. Or maybe the OBGYNs are grabbing um, the biopsies from an area that's not the area of interest. So we wanted to make sure that the patients have as enough material as they, they need so we can have an accurate biopsy and a diagnosis. So we decided to use the formalin and centrifuge it. And after that, we prepare some cytology out of it. Okay. And I, and I read your poster Uh, and I saw that you had some pretty good statistics, so could you tell me a little bit about those? Well, yeah, um, we decided to start with um, 240 samples, cervical biopsies in this case, and we took each vial of those biopsies and we centrifuged them through the BD diagnostic methodology of SurePath, and we created small little pellets and then put them in the process of the machine so they could create um, H&E slides, and through the posters and the, the pictures, I mean, um, of the poster, we could see that it looked like regular cytology, of uh, liquid-based um, cytology. So. so were there any unexpected uh, results that you found, or was everything what you had hoped that it would be during your research? Well, we, our hypothesis was that it would be as accurate as possible to the biopsy diagnosis, but it wasn't that accurate. Um, we had uh, of the numbers of the positives that we used high sills, low sills, and ASCUS as our positives, all of them, as well as the negatives that would be normal histology. And we had 124 samples that were positive in the biopsies and 160 negative. 
when we did the residual cytology, we had 135 of those samples positive and 105 negative. What we found interesting was that even though there was a little bit of discrepancy between the positives and negatives, we had a very high adequacy of the cells. We had an 83%. So if you could actually see that if through formalin, we can actually produce a cytology that is just as great to look in under a microscope as a regular cytology. So if you had anything to change about your poster or your research, what would you have done differently? Uh, I believe that probably we would have had um, one of the pathologists do the, the diagnosis of the, of the biopsies because we had our different pathologists do them. So maybe one that has only one criterion specific or the most experienced that would have helped as well as have more samples. Okay. So when someone walks away from your poster, are there a couple things that you hope that they take from it, whether it be try to do a poster or you know always think outside of the box and 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 think of something that would be beneficial to a patient yeah that's our main focus um, through these years that we've done um, the different types of posters and investigations we want to make sure that the patients receive the absolute most care as well as not having to submit them to do a rebiopsies these are invasive processes and we want to make sure that they have the most accurate diagnosis as, as possible. So if we can use this type of um, research as a way of finding something that can help them out, that's our focus. Especially with, with this um, investigation that we found out that probably we cannot use it as a definitive diagnosis, but we can use it as a complementary diagnosis of submitting it to molecular studies or any type of special stains. Um, if you did a follow-up project, whether to be with this one, I know that some some people would follow up with what they're doing with another, you know, like phase two. What would you do as a as either another project or a follow-up to this? Have you thought about that? Yes, we plan to follow up this this study. We found it very interesting, especially due to the percentages. We want to make sure if we can see the sensitivity will be higher because it was a little bit low, as well as the accuracy of the test and also the sensitivity. We plan on verifying if there, if there is any type of HPV specimen that is there. Since we know that some of the cervical cancers are not due to HPV, we want to see which ones in Puerto Rico are the ones that are um, the highest uh, percentage. Like in, here in the U.S. is 16, 18. Over there, it could be 31, 33. So we want to make sure that we can see this in the residual cytology, and we're going to follow up on that. Like your patient population, you're trying to yes. look at that. So, so let me ask you, um, if there's two or three major tips that you would like to share with someone about presenting a poster, do you have anything of what they should look for as far as picking a, something to research or, or how they should go about doing a poster? Well, what I think is that you have to think outside the box. You have to find something that probably is not out there to help the patient specifically. And also, do your research. Search in the data, the, the PubMeds and different types of search data, so you can see if your research or your interest has already been done or if it's different, if it's not there. Like in this case, that we, we were searching to see if anyone else in the world had done it, and this has not been done before. Excellent. 
Well, thank you very much, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading your full poster. So thank you very much, Alexandra. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Uh -huh. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Histotalks. To hear more great episodes, check us out on Podbean, The Block, or iTunes, keyword Histotalks. Talks.